Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Irony in Idaho. A city in Idaho no longer has a single health center where you can go to deliver your baby boy or girl. Why? A spokesperson from the only standing hospital in the area says it's because of the state's pro-life laws. Dr. Scott French of Applog joins us from Idaho with reaction. Pro-abortion TikTok. Some TikTok users are using the app to encourage pregnant moms to save themselves before their baby if they experience complications. A pro-life doctor tried to speak out about this and was reportedly silenced. We have the details. White House abortion agenda. First Lady Jill Biden used Women's History Month to send a message to men. We unpack what she is saying and how it degrades men and women alike. Timothy Head of the Faith and Freedom Coalition weighs in. The Supreme Court recently weighed in on a dispute out of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals concerning parental consent for abortions and the role of the courts when a minor seeks an abortion. The lower court ruling determined that court clerks can be sued if they deny an abortion to a minor. The Supreme Court has nullified this decision. All of the justices, except for Katanji Brown-Jackson, say that this is a moot point. The case stemmed from a lawsuit filed in Missouri against a court clerk who denied a minor a judicial bypass for an abortion. The girl had to travel to Illinois to end the life of her child. Joining me now to explain is Carrie Severino, president of JCN. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. This case seems quite intricate. Can you explain it to us in layman's terms? Uh, yeah, even the underlying facts are kind of pretty in the weeds because this is a 17-year-old girl who was pregnant, wanted to have an abortion without her parents' consent, and so wanted the judicial bypass proceedings to bypass their consent. But the, the judge made the call that, in fact, technically you're supposed to alert the parents as to those judicial proceedings. So she said, this is crazy. I don't want them to hear about it. And so he, she went to Illinois and had her abortion anyway. Now the suit has to do with whether that judge correctly was, was going to notify the parents about that uh, lawsuit. And initially, the Eighth Circuit sa said that she could be sued for that action, um, although they hadn't gotten to the, even to the end of this case to find out what's the ultimate result. In the meantime, of course, the Dobbs case comes down. And now it's very clear that there is no constitutional right um, to an abortion itself, let alone, you know, we didn't even know before when Roe was on the books whether the, the court wasn't settled on whether there was a constitutional right to these anonymous bypass proceedings where the parents wouldn't be notified. So there were a lot of, uh, this case had a lot of interesting questions to it even before Dobbs. Now it's clear. The case, you know, there's no point continuing to argue about it because we, we now have settled. There is not a constitutional right to abortion. And that's why both parties in this case agreed, you know what, the case is moot. Let's just vacate it and have it go away. The court, the Supreme Court agreed, but Justice Jackson wrote a dissent from that agreement saying that she thought that nonetheless we should keep hearing this case because she thought uh, that judge, in agreeing to let the case go, uh, kind of contributed to the fact that it became moot. I, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous to require the court to continue to argue something that's clearly not, um, not going to have any real effect in law. Hmm, I see. Thank you for explaining that. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about this concept of judicial bypass. You know, I think something that's important to point out is that in some states, minors can obtain what's known as a judicial bypass for an abortion, which means they can have an abortion without their parents' consent. 
Is this true even in some states where there are parental consent laws in place? Well, you know, previously, the idea that you had to have this opportunity was coming from the Roe regime and the federal law uh, that purported to be from the Constitution over overlaid onto the state laws. Now we're in a different situation. Now each state is going to make the determination of when and whether they allow bypass for minors to uh, to obtain an abortion without their parents' consent. And there's not going to be a federal overlay on that. That said, um, it's very easy to imagine, and we're seeing this in other areas as well, where state Supreme Courts will then, even if it's not in the state law, decide to invent or concoct new rights, uh, either to abortion itself or to abortion under certain circumstances, potentially uh, nullifying the requirements for parental consent. So I think this is why it's always so important to be aware of what your state Supreme Court is like and whether they're really following the law or whether it's a court that wants to try to make the law. Um, and that's something that's continuing to be debated. Even in, in Wisconsin right now, there's a, an election going on between a judge who says she's going to be you know, ad advancing abortion and really talking about getting to political results rather than just confine yourself to what the law itself says. It's, it's very important to realize how, how, how dangerous state courts can be now. Mm, that's important context. And I wanted to ask you one final question before I let you go. Um, the fact that the Supreme Court weighed in on this or dismissed this case, that, that, there, that this was news, is that significant in the grand scheme of things? What does it mean when it comes to the impact of parental consent laws and, and the role of the courts in, in enforcing and affirming those laws? Well, this really is the type of, of action that normally would just fly under the radar. The court didn't issue an opinion. In fact, we don't even know what the other uh, eight justices, other than Justice Jackson, thought, except for that a majority of them thought the case should be dismissed. They don't even sign the order. So it shouldn't be big news. I think it only is because it touches on abortion and because of Justice Jackson's dissent, and people are all watching as she's the new justice in the court to see what she's doing. So it really legally isn't, isn't a particularly impactful case. And as I said, the, the issue isn't, isn't relevant anymore because now we are, are clear. We all knew for a long time, right? But now at least the law reflects that the Constitution uh, says nothing uh, to create a right to abortion. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Carrie Severino of JCN, for uh, clearing up any, you know, intricacies of this case. We really appreciate you joining us. Thanks. Some ironic news out of Idaho. In the city of Sandpoint, there are no hospitals that offer obstetrical services. That is, there are no hospitals where mothers can go to give birth to their babies. Why is this? Officials at Bonner General Hospital in Sandpoint, where obstetrical services were just discontinued, say that it's due to pro-life laws. They are claiming that they're not able to keep OBGYNs on staff because those doctors are unwilling to help women give birth in the area unless they are also allowed to kill babies by abortion. Bonner General Hospital delivered 265 babies in 2022. To discuss this, we're joined now by Dr. Scott French. He's a board-certified emergency physician and a member of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs. Dr. French joins us from Priest Lake, Idaho. Dr. French, welcome to the show. I want to start by getting your initial reaction to this story. Bonner General Hospital can't deliver babies anymore due to pro-life laws. Can you make any sense of this? Yes, uh, Prudence, thanks for having me on. It is very perplexing because uh, in their statement, they said uh, highly 
respected talent positions are leaving and recruiting replacements will be extraordinarily difficult uh, due to laws that criminalize physicians for medical care nationally recognized as standard of care. So as a physician, this is very perplexing because uh, there's no laws in Idaho that, that prohibit physicians from doing what's necessary to save a woman's life. I just, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Right. And so um, this whole idea that abortion is healthcare when in fact abortion kills one of the patients, right? It kills the baby. And then actually it harms the mother. So the mother who has an abortion has a 200 to 400% increase in suicides, mm -hmm. increased rate of infertility, and, a, um, and, and also depression and other illnesses, and also looks like an increased rest of, uh, risk of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how we can call things that harm women healthcare. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't make any sense that they're blaming Idaho the laws that protect women uh, and promote life as as a problem. I think what's really underlying this is, you know, it's a small it's a small city, only a nine thousand. It's a small rural hospitals, and like everywhere else, uh, is struggling to recruit physicians. But to blame that on uh, pro life, life affirming uh, care, it just doesn't make any sense. And in right. fact, most physicians want that. Yes. Uh, yes, there are some that are you know portion at all costs, but. Those aren't what I would call real physicians that believe in the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm. Right, so. right. And Dr. French, I understand Sandpoint is in northern Idaho, and you're also located in northern Idaho. Are you aware of anywhere else in that area besides hospitals where moms will be able to go to give birth? How far are they going to have to travel? So, um, so North Idaho is very narrow, and so there are um, there is uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which pr people are probably familiar with, is is about uh, a 30 or 40, 30 to 45 minute drive from Sandpoint. Um, and again, rural hospitals all over face this, and and then there's also Spokane, um, which also has tertiary care capabilities. So. It's a struggle for all these small towns that have hospitals and, and it's difficult to recruit physicians. I understand that, but to blame it on providing expert care. And again, they have to transfer things all the time that you know they don't have the standard of care to do, right? Sure. They can't they can't do they, they can't do cardiac casts, they can't they you know, it's all those sorts of things that they have to transfer out. So mm. it's it's really a spurious argument and very disheartening to hear that uh, we're lying. I mean, we're in this crisis of truth and medicine. Yeah. And um, we need to start telling the truth that we need to support women and help them. Um, and uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. And Dr. French, it's clear that these doctors who will only deliver babies if they can also do abortions, they don't have the same understanding of life as you and I do. Can you speak to how devastating that is? That for some of these so-called doctors, babies are just disposable. How can that be so? Well, again, I'm not so sure that that's the vast majority of OBGYNs that they won't they won't take care of women unless they can kill their babies. I, that just you know, again, unless they're not taking the Hippocratic Oath anymore, I I just don't understand that. And so again, we have to fight this narrative of it's healthcare. It's not healthcare to kill a baby and increase the chances of the mother committing suicide and all these other complications that can have. So it's really about this crisis of truth. And so. Um, the AAPLOG obviously has OBGYNs that are, you know, will not perform abortions because, again, they know it works against the health of the mother. 
and of course, obviously the the health of the baby. So it just it just makes no sense. And and those of us are scratching our heads. And, and again, most physicians are in agreement with that. It's they they can't speak out because the culture now um, is 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 so pro killing uh, innocent babies that they can lose their jobs. And so right. they think that's what's a lot going on. So I think it's a very small minority that are really abortion determined, sure. uh, that that's really all that they care about is aborting babies. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for explaining that. And Dr. French, we have about 30 seconds left. We've talked on the show before about what you're speaking about right now. There's constant attacks against pro-life doctors who want to speak the truth. Talk to me about how you're weathering these storms and, and what motivates you to continue to speak the truth about situations like this. Well, just like in general, our, you know, doctors are part of the <laughs> are part of the general culture, right? Is there's just an attack on truth right now, and so we just have to stick to the truth. We have a Hippocratic oath that we have to um, follow, and that is do no harm. And so, um, you know, doing doing abortions harms two patients, and so I think most physicians follow that, and and you know we have to pray that our culture finally comes to the truth at some point people are going to look back and say, what were these people thinking? I mean, it's just, you know, you know, it's just, it's just incredible what's going on, how we've lost truth in medicine in a lot of ways. And, and the doctors can't speak out because they'll get fired. This has just become, medicine has become politicized. I just never saw it. I'd see that in my career. I used to be full-time faculty at Stanford, hot medical students. I just, it's just, it's appalling that, yeah. that, that medicine has devolved into a lack of truth. We used to debate what's the best treatment and what's the best way to go about it. So let's have a debate. Let's right. look at whether abortion helps health. It doesn't. I mean, there's plenty of studies to prove that. Well, then why are we keep doing that? You know, Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, that's what we're doing with abortion. It harms women, harms their baby, and yet we still think it's healthcare. It just it just boggles the mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I so appreciate your insight and your expertise on this. Dr. Scott French, thank you for speaking the truth. Thank you. For this week's state update, we'll focus in on pro-life pieces of legislation that are moving in two states, Florida and Wyoming. In Florida, a heartbeat bill has just advanced to the full state Senate for consideration. If signed into law, the legislation would strengthen protections for babies in the Sunshine State, where current law limits abortion at 15 weeks of pregnancy. In Wyoming, the Life is a Human Right Act was recently signed into law, but a judge almost immediately blocked the law from taking effect, and abortions are still happening in the state. Joining me now with more information on this is Katie Daniel, SBA Policy Director at SBA Pro-Life America. Katie, thanks for joining me. Let's focus first on this news out of Wyoming. We know a federal judge has blocked the law from taking effect, the Life is a Human Right Act. Do you know if there are pro-abortion groups who are working to block the law as well? And if so, who are they? Yes, from the beginning, this has been an effort um, by the healthcare professionals who want to make money off of abortion and pro-abortion national groups um, to subvert the will of the people of Wyoming. They started this lawsuit last year um, as soon as the trigger law um, came into play after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, this law that was just passed is a continuation of and a furthering of that trigger law. The people of Wyoming are pro-life. They don't want abortion in their state. 
um, but these people who are financially motivated to keep their abortion clinics open are suing in Teton County to try to get rid of those laws. Um, we're optimistic, though, that the courts will understand and they will rule with the people of Wyoming. Mm. Katie, do you know how long it will be before a decision might be made here and the law can rightfully take effect? Well, this will certainly end up before the Wyoming Supreme Court, which could take uh, many months, if not a full year. Um, previously, uh, the pro-abortion side had tried to fast pass their way up to the Wyoming Supreme Court, who sent this back down and said, um, there's more argument to be done. There's discovery. We need to go through the normal process of a trial um, before it comes up to this court. Mm. So we will go through that process, um, but eventually it will be in the Wyoming Supreme Court. Well, we'll continue to track this as it unfolds. And now let's look to Florida, your home state. Pro-life people are excited that this heartbeat bill has finally been introduced uh, down south. Are you hopeful that this bill will make it across the finish line and become law? What steps uh, yes. remain? Um, th so this bill has been fast-tracked. Uh, Governor DeSantis has said it's a priority up here in Tallahassee this week. Uh, we have a hearing in the Senate, the second Senate hearing tomorrow, Thursday. This bill will be before the full Senate, and we are optimistic about a positive vote there. It will also have its second committee in the House tomorrow. So this bill could go through both chambers and be on Governor DeSantis' desk before Easter. Hmm. Thank you so much for your update on that. And is there any other important state activity going on that our viewers should know about, Katie? Yeah, there are other states that are looking to strengthen their gestational protections. Um, Nebraska is looking at um, a heartbeat law right now. Utah passed a law that will revoke licenses and prevent abortion clinics from operating. Um, they have a trigger law that's currently in court, but they want to get this done faster. They are a pro-life state. Additionally, almost every state has great safety net policies in place to support moms and their families. Um, and those look like all kinds of things, you know, medical support, financial support. So we really are seeing the pro-life movement activate all over the country, which is very exciting in this first legislative session post-Dobbs. It is exciting to continue to see that momentum. Katie Daniel of SBA Pro-Life America, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Coming up, why a pro-life doctor is saying he was censored for being critical of content posted on TikTok. I speak out next. And our pro-life focused guest addresses recent comments from First Lady Jill Biden, who wants more men to advocate for a so-called right to abortion. More on this coming up. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Arizona-based OBGYN Dr. Greg Marchand says that he has been censored online for speaking out against pro-abortion content posted on TikTok. That is this week's Speak Out segment. As many members of Congress on Capitol Hill debate whether or not TikTok should be banned, there's a trend that has gone viral on the app that's known as the living will trend. Essentially, many pregnant women have taken to the platform to make clear that if they experience complications during childbirth, their life should be prioritized over saving the life of their baby. Dr. Greg Marchand weighed in on this in Parents Magazine to share the real facts, explaining that this trend is a scare tactic based on false information. He said, quote, there's no situation where a doctor must make a save one or the other decision urgently. 
if emergency surgery must be performed, there is no longer a choice at that moment. Unfortunately, Dr. Marchand's comments were removed from Parents Magazine when he tried to tell the truth. He says that it's dangerous that TikTok is putting false information out there about childbirth, and those falsities are being taken as fact. It's heartbreaking to see so many women dehumanizing the children in their wombs by hopping on the bandwagon and feeding into this ugly social media fad. First Lady Jill Biden took advantage of Women's History Month this March to talk to men about abortion. She says it's a man's job to ensure women can end innocent lives. The First Lady referenced the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, saying it's a tragedy that there are still, quote, battles that we thought we had won a long time ago. Just last month, the First Lady invited a pro-abortion activist to the President's State of the Union address as a display of her support for the intentional killing of unborn children. I'm joined now by Timothy Head, Executive Director of Faith and Freedom Coalition. Timothy, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. What's your reaction to the First Lady's comments? Talk to me about the message that this sends both to men and women. Well, thank you again so much for having me, Prudence, and for talking about this important issue. You know, it's it's hard to think of a more important, more kind of uh, uh, critical issue for for uh, of the life of a nation is actually, uh, do we protect the the rights of the innocent, and also are we uh, ensuring that our uh, that the next generation is is uh, is is coming to pass? And um, you know, remarkably enough, there are countries around the world that have had really um, draconian. Uh, abortion uh, policies like China and Russia that are actually reversing their policies because they don't have enough children uh, and enough in, in the next generation to actually um, promulgate their their entire population. Uh, meanwhile, we actually still have a, a Biden uh, White House that's uh, that's actually following the footsteps of China and Russia and trying to eliminate uh, more and more children. It's it's a heartbreaking and also just a, a fool, but I mean truly a, a uh, it's true folly, if you will. And so I, I think that we're you know, the good news in the Dobbs decision making uh, these more uh, state level policies is that we have about 30, maybe 32 states um, that there's really, really good things happening uh, this year. And uh, at least uh, those of us that love and want to protect life uh, can kind of, uh, you know, focus our attention in those 30 or 32 state capitals this year. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that success in the states and kind of, you know, putting these comments of the first lady in context, do you think that the Biden administration is really in touch with the will of the people on this issue? Well, uh, it's a great question. And, you know, frankly, um, what we've seen since the the, um, the promulgation of the, the um, Roe versus Wade opinion back in 1973, uh, that the, the public opinion has li literally shifted 180 degrees. We had about 70% of the world of, of American uh, voters that considered themselves pro-choice in the early 70s, now about 70% of voters consider themselves pro-life, you know, with with some exceptions in there. Right. And uh, and so, you know, clearly these um, these uh, comments, like um, you know, like the first lady from a few days ago, are an effort to kind of like gin up uh, her um, her and the Democrat base, but not actually to try to persuade uh, the vast majority of of Americans that actually believe that innocent life should be protected and given a chance. Yeah. Right. And Timothy, as a man yourself, what sort of messages and calls to action do you think men in our culture aren't hearing enough? What should men actually be doing to help women? 
Well, it's a great question, and honestly, you know, I, I think that this is uh, it's 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 really a dog whistle, you know, uh, to to say that these are women's uh, women's issues and women's rights. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, um, my I have two daughters myself, me and my wife do, and and um, and we just went through a, a health scare um, with uh, with a teenage daughter of mine just in the last forty four days. Oh my goodness! And I can assure you that as as uh, vested as my wife was in that process, I was equally vested. So. Um, you know, it, it's not just like women or mothers care about their children of and the fathers course. don't. Right. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're I, I think that it's important for us to, to continue to have fathers and men invested in children and, and in the next generation, just like we need uh, mothers doing the same. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope your daughter's doing well. And it's important, yeah, for, for men to be involved in their families' lives. Before I let you go, Timothy, explain uh, for our viewers the work that you're doing at the Faith and Freedom Coalition and, and how people watching might, might be a part of that. Well, thanks so much. You know, I would say, uh, just like I alluded to earlier, in those in in times like this where you see gridlock in grid, gridlock in Washington D.C., uh, we actually see a lot of really really neat movement. I would say, you know, one one uh, piece that I think a lot of people can pay attention to is uh, Texas is developing uh, what what they refer to as an alternatives to abortion program and also a women's health initiative uh, that will not only protect again innocent life but also. Uh, you know, provide all of the support that uh, that new mothers um, uh, about to meet mothers and new mothers uh, need as they're giving birth and then, uh, you know, caring, uh, uh, caring for for newborns. And so we're seeing a lot of really cutting edge, I think, wonderful initiatives like Texas. And uh, you can you can certainly follow us on FFCoalition.com. That's FFCoalition.com is our website. And we can update you on a lot of different state policies that we're helping with in, uh, in, in a little over half of the country this year. I think there's a lot of good news to be had. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for highlighting that. And thanks for taking the time to join us. Timothy Head, Faith and Freedom Coalition. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. And God bless. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.